the context of sound. Oh my god, I forgot we were a thing. Yeah, we're, what are, are we, we doing? Thing? What are we even doing? <laughs> why, why are we here? What's going on? Um, <laughs> it's been. It's been a while. <laughs> it's actually been probably been months. It's been literal months. Literal months. Um, the reason why we called those last episodes "Don't Call It a Comeback" is because that was absolutely not a comeback. Wow, that was so meta, and that I was didn't really even meta. know at the time. Yeah, we were, we were so forward thinking. Um, yeah, that was a we we took a little bit of a, a siesta for um, I don't know like world work life related situations yeah we've been doing yeah you were recording albums recording albums you've been in japan i've been in japan and and beyond and beyond you've been in like venice beach and (laughs) venice beach and other weird far off places um yeah i mean i think we've we we've kind of uh, gotten over the the mad dash of the fall (laughs) this early fall just kind of fucked me personally but yeah um I don't know. Yeah, at least you don't have, um, what did you almost die of again? Pneumonia. Oh, yeah. 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 At, at least, least I, have I don't have pneumonia again. Yeah. That was good. But I mean, you know, I think that, uh, some people might think that, uh, I don't know what I was about to say. Cutting that one out. But yeah, I think, um, it, it just, I got really busy. You got really busy. Um, and But we're back, and that's all that matters. I feel rusty. I feel super rusty. Rusty. But I feel like we have... Also, remember when we started this podcast, it was like January, and we're like, we're doing new things. And yeah. like now it's the end of November, and we're like, I'm tired, I'm tired. and I want to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like The the crazy thing is, and I was talking about this beforehand, but I just purchased a bed, and it's like the greatest thing in the world, and I only want to hang out in that bed and like not speak to anyone or do anything that does not require me leaving it um lately um and so yeah what a a difference a a year makes yeah we have a it's like a a one year of faux five exactly and he's still up to no good remember we used to really like talk about that a lot we did talk about that a lot and now it's like uh, Uh, exactly (laughs) you're like uh I don't know. I mean, I just, no one has the energy for who it. Who does? Who does? I'm just out here trying to be young, black, and free. I yeah. don't need to be worrying about him. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, also, it's like film time. I mean, it's like... It is film you know, time. It's the time of the year when all the good movies come out that they've mm-hmm. been hoarding all year long and like making us suffer through like comic book fiascos. And like weird like movies about middle-aged white men who go and do bad things get away with them like that tom cruise money movie did you see that one um american made yeah i didn't see that Mm. another one i just didn't like get i mean i love tom cruise like i really do tom cruise movies are the best yeah give me a mission impossible movie any day of the week so one and i'll sit through with commercials (laughs) commercials every single one i will i love those movies always and honestly like mission impossible one is the most classically 90s looking movie yeah because you watch it and you're just like if i had to like guess what the 90s were like i would just watch mission impossible because like because it's like borderline like futuristic technology but it's like shot on film and has weird like old school camera movements and special effects or just like incredibly incredible like it's so dated but like in the best way because it was like the best that 1995 had to offer yeah which wasn't much all the money that was that spent was all on the, the movie. money that was spent was spent on like his like VHS mm. like tape renders or whatever. But when you 
when you like put that up against something else from 95, like say for instance, a TV show called X-Files, like they yeah. do look miles apart. They do look miles apart. This is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, you know, like one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to watch every Tom Cruise film in chronological order. I'd, so where are you now? Did uh, you give up? I got to number four. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get very far. <laughs> what is that, like risky business? No, it was like this really... Have you even reached risky business? I have reached risky business. <laughs> I think that was number three. Um, number one was a really, really strange movie. I is need it to, Cocktail? No. Is Cocktail number two? Tom Cruise. I don't think I got to Cocktail either. Um, <laughs> it was... Okay. So the first one was this movie called Endless Love, uh, which... Never uh, saw that. I'm going to read off the um, IMDb uh, sort of... Please do. ...synopsis for it, because it's really fucking weird. All right, here's a storyline. What's young, the rating that it has on IMDb? It has a 4.7 out of 10. Ooh, <laughs> so you know good. it's good. Um, it's still more than The Room. <laughs> <laughs> which we will get to in just a second. Um, t- the storyline is two young teenagers, Jade Butterfield and David Axelrod, not to be confused with the David Axelrod, um, <laughs> fall in love with each other. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but the, Wait, are they dudes? No. Uh, Jade is a guy, is a girl, and okay. then David is a guy. Um, okay. This is 1981. I don't think uh, a young Tom Cruise would be involved in a homosexual love affair yeah. that was caught on film, at yeah. least. <laughs> been a mistake (laughs) um but the passion is too consuming for jade's bohemian parents her parents try to stop them from seeing each other but when this doesn't work david burns the house down and is sent to a mental hospital this doesn't stop him from seeing her when he gets out he goes to look for her and remains in love with her but in the end the passion for his first love is too strong and she has to leave or this love will kill them both healthy that was his first movie and it was like he wasn't like excuse me he wasn't like the lead character. He was like a sort of like one of those like douchey friends. Um, it was like a young uh, Brooke Shields mm. and some guy named Martin Hewitt. Um, I don't remember what he was in. So, but yeah, I got you have to, a long way to go. I have basically. a long way to go in the next. Um, Do you have a goal? The next month. Um, Do you have like a Fitbit goal that you're trying to set? <laughs> trying to hit? I think that means I have to like watch. I mean, he's got a pretty stacked, like... What does his IMDb say? Like, 60 movies? He's got, like, movies? 46 credits to his name. And seeing as I've only gotten four of them down, um, that means I have to, like, be watching, good, like, five like, 100 a day plus hours of... Of movie watching I need yeah. to, like, get into in the next five weeks. If I'm gonna do this. Which I could totally... No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't watch that much Tom Cruise. Maybe Ooh. I could. I mean, don't don't hurt yourself. That's true. I'm just, I feel like I'm getting really excited once I get to like the mid 90s, you know, like when you're getting into, and then the late 90s. Far and Away? No. Which one was that? Far and Away was like, was it him and Nicole, like their first movie together? Or maybe there's. Far and Away? Yeah, they're like Irish, um, they're like Irish immigrants that come to the United States. Oh, okay, okay. I think okay. it was like 1992 or three. Yeah, or 92. Something. I'm looking at it right now. I remember not being allowed to see that and, and seeing it. Was it, like, sexual or just, like... There was a scene where, like, Tom Cruise is naked on a bed with, like, a bowl over his bits and Nicole Kidman, like, looks underneath it and gets a shock. And I remember being really, like... <laughs> <It's a shock. laughs> just, like, being really, like... 
amused by that as a child. Mm, yeah. Like, I wonder what's, what's underneath, underneath there. there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would have a different reaction to her instead of like a, ah, like a, ooh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I have a lot of Tom Cruise to get through. I'm, I'm looking forward to like the late 90s, early 2000s, specifically for like the minority reports and the eyes minority wide shot which i love yes um yeah he's done some great film he's work done some really good movies yeah and people like to talk shit i mean i don't know why but anyhow uh wish you know, me luck. at least he hasn't raped anybody that we know of that we know of fingers crossed knock on wood that just don't take tom cruise from us we barely have him to begin with <laughs> True. um but yeah i mean other than that um just What's been going on? You've released uh, some new Muzak. I released some. Well, it kind of brings us ties in with our theme this week. I've yeah, it's Muzak true. exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I've released. <laughs> yeah, I released a Christmas holiday uh, EP, which um, I just found out from my publicist is going to chart Woo-hoo! tomorrow. So I don't know what position. Cute. But thanks for everybody that's. Listened and streamed and bought and da 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 da. Yeah, tell us um, more about Christmas in Blue. Christmas in Blue, it kind of just came about accidentally. Like Tim and I were just like, let's make some jazz Christmas stuff and send it to our like sync people and see if it's like mm-hmm. a holiday movie. And then we just kind of made four songs. Yeah. And in the middle of September. I love that. It it's like I like a quick little like a four a four parter because I feel like sometimes like Christmas albums tend to be full with like a lot of fillers. You yeah, know? there's They're no like, filler you have, like, really. Three strong songs in it, and then it's a bunch of bullshit. But I wish more people were just like doing the whole like, hey, I have like these few songs that I'm like super excited about, yeah. or that just like kind of came together. Um, yeah, we didn't try and stretch or like spread ourselves thin or like. We didn't try to overachieve. Yeah. We just underachieved, and it turned out to be really great. <laughs> because actually, I'm su- I'm really proud of this record. I like it's just really simple and mm. minimal, and it's just um, I don't really love Christmas that much. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, I but, feel like as a holiday, it's kind of whatever. As far as like a, the music around it is concerned, it's like yeah. the best. Yeah. I think Christmas for me is like seventy five percent music and then like twenty percent food and then five percent like I don't know consumerism. Consumerism. Like, I was gonna say just like drinking spiked hot chocolates or something <laughs> like that, but that's just me. Um, yeah, it's a Christmas is a lot of things to a lot of people. That's true. And um, <laughs> so we're doing Christmas music. Yes, this it week. is true. We are talking about Christmas music this week. Um, I am like a fanatic about christmas music which i did not know yeah i fucking live for it i always have um and i don't Do you know listen to it out of season no i'm not that crazy about it i will sneak a song every once in a while um there's one song that i'm playing today that i will listen to whenever i need to just like uh yell about something um and you won't know why but uh it is uh i've always just had this weird kind of fascination with it because i don't know i I just growing up i mean in in my home in my house at least like christmas music was like a huge deal and it would start you know like on thanksgiving right away and then it would just be non-stop playing all of the time and you know me and my sisters just never got enough of it it was just always just we were always singing always putting on weird shows and and it just like kind of it's just always been something that I like would just be obsessed with because I always just knew like, oh, there's always a special festive music. And 
I just listen to Christmas like albums all the time. But yeah, it is nice. It is. It does kind of put you in a in a different mindset, and mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you that like this whatever like imaginary marker that ends the year yeah. is yeah. coming, and that it kind of. Also, it makes you sort of like, oh, well, we tried. Yeah, like, exactly. Next year, like, <laughs> exactly. let's just eat. There's like a little amount of just like, oh, you did your best. Yeah. You know? There's a, l- a <laughs> little a amount. Lot There's a that. lot amount of yeah, that. We gave it's it a, mostly we tried. that. Yeah, it's just a lot of like, we, you <laughs> we know, tried. We tried. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. It's, it's just, just like, a big pat on the back for yeah, everybody. Like, you, you made it through one more hey. year. Hey, I mean, I get that. That's probably totally it, you know? Because, like, I don't know. That's half of the music. We all need a Christmas we miracle. We all need a Christmas miracle. This is true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the way... Also, you know what else? is People all of a sudden decide, like, hey, I don't need to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll try not being an asshole for two weeks yeah, like, and see how that goes. Why can't the Christmas spirit extend doesn't. all year long? I mean, like, I don't even know that, like, I even have the Christmas spirit. All year round, you know what I mean? Like, what does that even? So, like, to say, okay, all of a sudden now I'm supposed to like care about like it's difficult to have the Christmas spirit ever at all any time anyway, especially now when we're constantly aware of how terrible, terrible everybody is. Are. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, how shitty everyone is and how shitty like, everything. Is. Everyone with a penis is a disgusting is a dis- rapist. Yeah, men are awful. The government is trying to rip us all apart every single day. And take all of our and money take and all of our shit. And, like, the rest of the world is also a mess. Like, the everything's the, a mess. You like know, a, like, a, there's a, an a ethnic mine. cleansing going on there's in like, Myanmar. The rest of the world is a mine that like we're digging explosions. into. Yeah, everywhere, you know, like, it's... <clears throat> it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And, you know, like... It just, and the only thing that can make it stop for just a moment is Mariah Carey. It's basically it. That's basically it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, uh, a lot of Mariah Carey, obviously. I think that was just not like a, you had to, would be remiss of us to not. To not. Um, and then we'll also talk about some other of our favorite Christmas uh, songs, Christmas albums. Uh, and then I wanted to talk about like terrible Christmas songs because there are plenty of them. Oh, we were going to do multiple terrible ones? No, I don't think we have to do multiple, oh. but I, I just have a couple on deck There's that I just want to like swing through. There's some ones. garbage ones. Um, but also, I think it's just like Christmas albums are crazy because like if you think about like the so the span of time, so Mariah, what did, uh, Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas came out in like 94. Mm-hmm. And like if you think about from then to now so like in the, in the 90s no one was releasing christmas albums for any reason uh and now it's just like it's just the thing that somebody that everyone does between like you can album say one it. and two you can say it what say what <laughs> no i'm just no, kidding I was like, <laughs> it's just everyone does it like between yeah. now like between like you know albums one and two it's like it's it's great and i and i i, I think the reason why is because like not only it like yeah people know that it, like gets attention and it sells or whatever but it's also just because everyone just fucking loves christmas music like yeah there's always a market for it like you're never going to i mean granted you're it's hard you're it's hard gonna to happen every year it's gonna happen every year yeah because like who doesn't want to give it a shot i think there's also a part of people and we were talking about this when we were kind of talking about like um coming up with this uh episode about you know like getting a song into like uh to being considered as a, like a christmas standard or like in the holiday canon at least yeah um it's like it doesn't happen often. We can get into that. It doesn't bit. happen often anymore. Yeah, not it's, at all. It's actually, I think, a rare. Mariah Carey is probably the last. 
without a doubt. song to really get into the holiday canon. Yeah. I mean, um, without a doubt. I'm trying to think of any other song since then. Like, the only other song I think that gets, like, sustained airplay after that would be, like, Where Are You Christmas by, like, Faith Hill. Don't know it. Oh, that's a jam. From the uh, How the Grinch Sold Christmas, uh, from the Grinch House. From How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> Jesus. From How the Grinch Stole Christmas. From that movie. <laughs> um, um, which I saw an interesting um, tweet about that movie yesterday. I which saw it was, too. It was, was, great. It was like, <laughs> it was the like, Grinch doesn't hate Christmas. He just hates people. So <laughs> Totally understandable. <laughs> so, totally understandable. Yeah, It's true. Um, but yeah, like since then, yeah, without a doubt, no song can just, you know, Mariah Carey's like, Kids, kids, kids will be eating uh, off oh of my that, God. off of that that song. Yeah, without a doubt, she doesn't have to do a single thing. She'll be making millions of dollars a every year, year, just from that song alone, just in the months of November and December. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to that, and we'll get to other things. Um, but I guess why don't you start us off with like one of your favorite Christmas okay. songs, and why, and where, and how? All right, um, I'm gonna play this one song. Um, Cause it's got to get out of the way now, cause it's like. I wonder if we pick if there's much gonna be much overlap. <laughs> there might be. This song actually came out in, on my birthday uh, in 1995. You weren't born in 1995. No, my birthday was not in like oh, on my birthday in 1995. <laughs> um, <laughs> the funny thing is your face. You were just trying to do the math there, <laughs> which is crazy, cause you were like two years older than I am. You're just like, wait a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it came out in 95 on the uh, on a birthday, and uh, I've been literally obsessed with it since I heard it the very first time. Um, it is, you'll know what it is as soon as I play it. Is it, do you hear what I hear? No. Kirk Franklin. Oh. Do you not know this song? I think I only know Kirk Franklin's bangers. Oh, this is a fucking banger. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. you you oh, wait, oh, you wait okay. a goddamn second. Shut up, seek it out of Boyashaka. Anyone that needs a healing, just come just down just to come the front down. right now. Yeah. Just come down to the Brother Maurice here, uh, can be with the fellas over here, and, and Sister Bernice, can you, can you, can you hang out with the with the ladies here? <laughs> Have you still? Are you still not? I don't there know yet. It. Oh my God, I am so happy for you right now. <laughs> Oh, you did say that.
Mm. <laughs> okay, vocals. It, okay, I, I, vocals. I'm not gonna turn the song all the way off yet because like I just there's there's so many things that you just need to still hear that song. But like, I mean, it's like it's from Kirk Franklin and the Family's uh, Christmas album, uh, Kirk Franklin and the Family Christmas. Uh, it came out in '95. It was his second album after uh, his first one, which I am blanking a name on. Um, but this song is called Now Behold the Lamb. It was the second song on the album. Honestly, like the first three tracks on this album are the only thing really worth listening is it to. All, is it a live album? No, no, no. This is all studio recording. It's just like, I mean, if you heard somebody singing like this, you would be screaming too. You know, yeah. like, you don't have to, like, be a Christian or, like, be into Jesus or anything like that to feel this song. It's so goddamn powerful. Like, he's just, like, just so much emotion in it. Um, and it's, I don't know, it kills me every time I hear it. Like, for some odd reason, it's just like, it just, it will never leave my body as like this really, really powerful song. Um, and just super emotional. And it's just about like this little baby Jesus, you know? Aww. And like, um, it doesn't have, one thing that's interesting about it to me is that it doesn't have like the Christmas cliches in it. It feels no. very much just like a gospel song. It's to a me. very gospel song. Yeah. It's um, very, very, very it's much like, so a gospel not even song. A, you know, it's not even like a gospel song. It's like a praise and worship song. It's a praise song. and worship <laughs> song. This is so true. It absolutely is. But um, like, and um, I was a little triggered in the beginning. I know. Because I'm yeah. still recovering from We all are. <laughs> from Christianity. We all are. But, but the the thing that I that I get about emotional about this song as well, because like I you know I'm in the same boat as you are, but like it's it's just to me like I, I think that like when you when you feel a sense of emotion or a sense of power that someone's connecting to the words in which they're singing, no matter like what you're you don't even have to understand the words like at all, but you can just still feel um, the emotion behind it. Um, mm. And the thing that always gets me every time I hear this song in particular, you just if you haven't listened to this song, just listen to it full stop. It's like seven minutes long, so it's it's not particularly like a... Is it a bu- it's a burner. It's a it burner, just, and it's just like it's just so much. It's just like it's like watching James it's Brown. Weird that perform. I missed that because yeah. literally 1995, like. I that was prime was Jesus time. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was prime Jesus time for myself too. So yeah. like, I don't know. I have this like soft spot in my heart for this song. Um, the two vocalists on that song are Tamla Mann, who's like a fucking G. She's a legend. Uh, she sang with uh, Kirk for quite a while, um, and I think she's like on like she was part of that Tyler Perry train for a while too. Oh really? Uh, but we still love her. Um, and this guy named Dalen Collins, uh, who actually ended up suing Kirk for like millions of dollars out of like, like from royalties, of course, unpaid. you know, and, uh, yeah, that's the song. Now behold the lamb. I just had to play it because like every Christmas, like it's just, I have to listen to it. It's kind of a standard in my household at least. Um, and it's just like a classic jam. It's super gospel, very praise and worship, as Sam was saying. But um, you just, I don't know, you can't go wrong it's with that song. It's weird, too, because like so many, um, especially now, it's weird. I, I'm, all the songs on my Christmas EP are secular. Yeah. And I think Christmas music has gotten more and more secular because it's true. Um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with like... The well, it's crazy too because we really think about it. Because I was list, I was reading um, this article just kind of in preparation for today and just talking about um, you know like what goes into like writing a Christmas album or a Christmas song and like and they interviewed like a bunch of different people 
um, about their process and, and going through it. And like a lot of people kind of talk through, you know, like, oh, you know, like these things have to like while things might not necessarily be like overtly Christian in their tone or in their like language. Uh, it's like the sort of as it is kind of a Christian holiday, uh, say that in air quotes, quote unquote, Christian holiday, um, that there's a lot of sort of generally Christian like ideals or mm -hmm. niceties that need to kind of be exclaimed like you know good peace and goodwill to you and x mm -hmm. y and z and all that other kind of stuff is still kind of a standard upon which people are like write their christmas songs so like, you're thinking you know like you're you're growing up christmas list uh, god that's an awful song though but like you know it's still like there's like these ideas of like peace and unity and love and, and all these things that that, that, that you don't equate with Christianity anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, which is unfortunate. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Let's, I'm not going to like get into the political we and like historical to. aspects of Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, though tempted as I may be. Oh, absolutely. But this song, uh, like I said, it's not really about um, the message per se for me. Um, I do find it to be a really powerful message, um, in the idea of, you know, just like, if that's what you believe in, like to say something. And, but for me, like I said, largely, it's just like, I love a good emotional performance when I can actually feel that that person who is singing those words feels every, every syllable. Um, and the thing that I get from that song is that feeling. And I think for me, like I read like the, the thing that like, makes music powerful is emotion that it that you attach to it and um i think that like the beautiful thing about why gospel music is so great uh and why it's kind of like affected the way people sing everything from like r&b to rock to whatever it might mm. be is because it has always had this sense of very raw emotion to it mm -hmm. um you know like when you think about like the rosetta tharps and the people that we've talked about in the past like um, yeah, like these like are, raw earnestness. It's that raw that earnest, like sort of like vulnerability that comes in in someone who um, who sings gospel music. That um, I don't know. I dig it. So I just want to sing that, uh, play that song because that's my shit, and I'll always love it. Yes. Thanks, Kirk Franklin, and the f and also the family and the family, whoever you are, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, little Donnie. How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas The fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas Will be A very special Christmas For me could just play the whole thing you could presents and cards going to <laughs> um first of all like i mean the thing that's just so like the vocal is just so 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 perfectly beautiful i i just get goosebumps did donnie ever 
deliver a, a bad vocal. vocal. No, because he didn't really he have the didn't chance. Have, he, yeah, he didn't. I didn't even think it was in his, like, God, I just, man, mental health fucking sucks, man. Just in the idea that, like, it's robbed us of a lot of, like, oh, yeah. real so gems. many. Um, <laughs> I love how, like, dark this whole episode <laughs> of Christmas has been. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's. <laughs> We're talking about religious trauma <laughs> and mental health, like, issues. I, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> religious trauma, mental health, you know. Yeah. Thing, I mean, to be honest, Christmas. Christmas like, brings whole, all that out. The whole us. thing of my EP is Christmas in blue is, like, literally for people that feel depressed around the holidays. And, like, literally that's. That's why that's, I made that's this. That's why you made it, yeah. Because Christmas is traumatic for a lot of people. It's true. And, the, and family is traumatic. Mm-hmm. And it can be really triggering. It absolutely can be. You know, it's only really in the last, like, few years that I've started to enjoy Christmas in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I totally I'm get that. even able to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so this album then was more of like a psychological release. Like, it was therapy. Free. Yeah, it was released. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Tell um, me more. <laughs> so, but this Christmas to me is one of those songs that like doesn't have any. It's it's a, it is a secular song, but it's mm-hmm. just got that feeling of. Um, it's one of the like more joyful Christmas songs for me. Yeah, no, for sure it is. absolutely is. And um, it was recorded in Chicago in 1970, um, written by. Uh, is written by Donny Hathaway. Oh, by the way, that's Donny Hathaway. If you didn't know, and if you don't know, <laughs> if you now don't you know. know. Now you know exactly. And if you didn't know, now you do know. And now if you, you did do know, know, and if you, you didn't did know, know, cool, good, because you, sh- you should know. <laughs> you should know. Um, so yes, that was Donny Hathaway. Uh, Donny Hathaway was written by him and Nadine McKenna, and it was recorded in 1970. And it, um, Donny died in 1979. So this is, you know earlier on in his career but it didn't i love when songs don't do they don't have the numbers like when Mm -hmm. they first come out and Mm -hmm. then they become it's a slow burner like a slow burn yeah because it didn't really make much of an impact when it first came out Mm -hmm. um it was re-released in 1991 as part of the record label atco records um christmas compilation soul christmas and that's when it started to become really popular isn't that weird? Nineteen ninety one. Very weird. Because for some odd reason, I just feel like it's. Been, I mean, it has been around since nineteen seventy. I, I know for sure, but like for some odd reason, in my head, like because I just feel cause, like cause like we were, people were. I we mean, were we were young in ninety one, but I just felt like my parents just knew it already by then. You know, like yeah. I just felt like I don't know, maybe because like in ninety one when I would hear them like maybe singing nineteen ninety one is when white folks found out that about could it. Be it. It could just be like I don't know, like. What did they find out about recently <laughs> that was like, like Timbaland boots or whatever? Box braids. <laughs> Police brutality. Butts. <laughs> Butts. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's just like, it's just one of my favorite, favorite, favorites. It's such a great song. Um it's been covered to hell and high water. Oh, you spe- yes, thank you for bringing that no. up. It has been Did covered you- to hell and high water. And actually, kind of disappointingly, when you Google the song, the first thing that comes up is Chris Brown's video. Ugh. I mean, 
I will is... say I don't mind his version of it, but he should not be the first thing that pops up. There are like at least 17 other great ones. Not Including to mention Donnie and a Luther situation as yes. well that uh, there's no excuse for Chris to even be in the top five search polls ever. Ever. Just, Just ever. Just ever. <laughs> Take them off. Scrub the internet. Scrub it. Um, um, <laughs> but one of the ones that I did stumble on that I don't think I'd ever heard before um, is by this beast of a vocalist. Not my favorite arrangement. Mm-hmm. Hang on the mistletoe. Oh, yes, Fantasia. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. I bet she fucks it up, though. She always fucks it up. She just has one of those voices that just God, cuts through everything. Damn, absolutely. I mean, I would listen to her sing the fucking phone book. Like, without yeah. a doubt. I love that woman's voice. Yeah, she's such a great voice. She's, you love know who also does a really good um, uh, rendition of this? But it's a really strange arrangement. I'm going to play a little bit of it, actually. What the? I know. This is a uh, Destiny's Child from. This is like Ronnie Size. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ronnie Size. <laughs> now I'm not gonna be able to unhear that. Thank you. Is this from Destiny's Child Christmas album? Mm-hmm. No one ever made it this far down. <laughs> no. <laughs> After 12 days of Christmas or whatever it was. Oh, um, oh, hold on. Eight days of Christmas. That one. <laughs> it's weirdly, like, very now. Yeah. <laughs> 2001. Why does this feel like it could be a Kalela track? <laughs> Dude, she needs to cover that. Oh, that would be hot, actually. This does sound like a Kalela track. Um, but yeah, that was 2001's uh, Eight Days of Christmas album. Classic jam for me. <laughs> I wore that fucking album out, man. Fa-la-la-la-la. So they had this, like, Carol of the Bells, like, melody at the end that, like... I think me and my sister literally were just using it like it was some sort of vocal training for us. Just we'd sit there and just like, all right, play the tape back 30 seconds and then do like a whole run and like, all right, do it one more time. Anyways. Um, yeah, Love this it. Christmas. So this Christmas. solid jam. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, this next song. Um, it, actually, uh, I found some really great information out about it um, today. Uh, when I was like looking, I found this really uh, great book called Stories Behind the Greatest Hits of Christmas um, by Ace Collins. 
come through Ace Collins. I know. Thanks for the uh, for this book because there's a lot of really great information, um, specifically like about um, a f- couple of the songs that I that I didn't even know about. Um, and then, um, so he kind of provides this really great story about um, this next song, uh, which I'm going to play a little bit of now. Sounds sad. <laughs> Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the you. I mean, oh if God. you don't know what that song is, it's Have Yourself you a Merry Little Christmas. Said, oh, Judy. Oh, like Judy. a true homosexual. <laughs> you sure did. You're like, oh, Judy. <laughs> um, she, uh, she breaks my heart every time. Every single fucking time. And then, of course, she sings the saddest song ever. But here's uh, something that I did not know. Judy Garland is wholly responsible for that song. Really? Yes. Um, so, Please explain. Um. The year is like 1940-something. I don't remember exactly when it is. But this was actually uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is from a a very classic, now classic film, Meet Me in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, Judy was in when she was about 21. Um, She was already kind of like an alum by that point in time in her career. It's a great film. It's a great movie. Um, But this particular part in the movie... um, uh, well, the, the, let's backtrack a little bit more. Um, so this song and most of the music within the movie itself were written by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine, who were like this songwriting like duo uh, back in the 40s who were like super big. They did like Gentlemen Prefer Blonde and Gentlemen Prefer, they did Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, <laughs> <laughs> Girl Crazy and a couple other um, uh, really big name uh Musicals, so they were just like really highly sought after uh, songwriters for musicals. It was the 40s, so musicals were huge then. Mm. It was also like right in the middle of uh, World War II, so um, there was just a really big sort of. So people uh, really needed. They musicals. really needed musicals to kind of just escape the world in general. Um, and so, like, the important thing that was that was crazy was that they originally like wrote uh, lyrics for this song, which was going to happen essentially. Um, so at this point. In this in the movie, um, where uh, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" pops up, um, Judy's character, whose name is Esther, is learning that her family is moving from Missouri to New York, 
And then uh, there's this dude that she's like really into that she uh, it's kind of like, oh, we're moving because like back then, obviously, like you move from Missouri to New York in the 40s. You're yeah. not seeing that motherfucker ever again. No. Kind of a thing. Um, and so he's, she's like super bummed out about it. Operator, put me through it in Missouri. <laughs> I got to talk to my baby. <laughs> um, and um, so she uh, uh, she's talking to her little sister and her little sister's all bummed because she's like, you know, like, oh, my God, Santa's not going to be able to find us in New York. Um, and I don't know why she already has a New York <laughs> she's, accent. She's like Madonna. <laughs> she's she got off the plane and already had that <laughs> she accent. She already had it ready. Um, but so she starts singing her this song as this uh, as a sort of thing to let her know that, like, saying is going to be fine so it's really sad part of the movie where she's like kind of singing to herself about her man but to her little sister and she's just kind of like weepy eyed and it's like really beautiful and the song obviously has a lot of like really sad undertones to yeah. it you listen to the lyrics and it's just like this really somber there's piece. like a long bittersweet yeah bittersweet yeah um but the reason why i say like judy garland's like largely responsible for the song is because like they originally wrote lyrics to this song that are like really fucking depressing um, I'll read some of them now. Like the original lyrics were like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. May it be your last next year. We may all be living in the past. Oof. have yourself a merry little Christmas. <laughs> Pop that champagne cork <laughs> next year. We may all be living in New York. <clears throat> so anyways, like, wow, they're going through they all that. They could have ruined that. They could have ruined it all together. And the crazier part too, is like, they're writing this in the middle of world war two, which is like. No one wants to hear no that one that's going to be your last Christmas. No one wants to hear that's going to be your last in the middle of, like, World War II. Like, they're, like, their sons are going off to war. Most of them won't come back. No one wants to hear that. They want to feel some sort of sense of, like, I don't know. Magic. Hope, peace. Hope. Something like that. And so she was like, fuck, no, I'm not singing that. Like, you guys need to, like, come up with something better that's going to be a little bit more, like... Uh, upbeat and like hopeful and shit like that because she was like i can really see her delivering this <laughs> she's this. like i'm not singing that shit um yeah the thing that she found y'all need to come correct y'all need to revise think about what you, like. i need to be happy i need this to be happy i want there to be a four count at the top and i want to have room to show my legs do you hear me one two three Vincent, get my dog <laughs> um i don't know why we give her a jersey voice now but um, she's Fran. She is Fran. Um, anyway, so like, yeah, like, like I said, Judy refused to like sing the song as is. So, um, you know, uh, the director of the movie, Vince Mandelli, who was her husband. Yeah. Uh, he was like, yeah, she doesn't want to sing the song. You got to rewrite it. And so they rewrote it. Um, and they oh didn't. God, the, had no idea. Yeah. The two songwriters had no interest in doing it. They didn't want to. And then they did. And then after that, uh, like the song ended up becoming like this humongous hit. It's probably one of the, I mean, you, it's the, you'll have it's the third most third biggest it's Christmas the third song big, ever. It's third most covered Christmas song of all time. Um, I believe it. Behind like, hey, I did White one. Christmas <laughs> and whatever, you know. So and it's like, but it's a beautiful song. It's also been done terribly. It's been done so horribly. But yeah, Judy's. Dude, I didn't. I didn't realize that Judy's was the. I mean, I've seen the film and I know it's in the film, but I didn't realize that she was. She was. She was the originator. She originated. She was it. originator, and she makes me love it even more. The only reason why it is what it is. Judy. Who doesn't? She's a goddamn gem. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, do you have any favorite covers of that song? Um, well, I'm going to play my, my version of it at the end. Okay. 
All right. Well, but I'm actually, play there's one a I version like of Luth that I was when I was the making Luther my one? record. Yes. I was like, oh, there's so many like really average versions of this mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, another Sam did a version of it that was like whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, no I liked comment. Frank's version. Frank's is great. I was gonna play a little bit. I of think Frank's. Nat King Cole did one. Nat did. I, he yeah he did. Everyone did it. I love I Ella's. Think everyone did it. Ella's. I have not heard Ella's. Oh, I'll play but, fr- but Luther's one was really different mm-hmm. than all the rest. Mm-hmm. We'll play a little so bit. So that was then. the one that inspired. Mine. I like Luther. I mean, any chance or excuse I have to play Luther, I will do it. Cause butter. He's better than syrup. Mm. A merry little Christmas. <clears throat> Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Luther always had very specific drums and like bass, like. Yeah. That doom, doom, like what year did this come out? Like 1991? Something like that. God, I love Luther. Mm. 95. Came out 95. Where are the singers? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like. God, Luther, I feel like he was never actually really trying to sing. He just couldn't. No, that's just he like just him. Did. That was just him. Like he him was like, breathing. oh, this is me breathing. Yeah. It's like I'm just like going. Like the way he just I did. eat yeah. is the way, <laughs> the way Luther sings. <laughs> effortlessly. Just constantly just like, and, effortlessly. and effortlessly. And without thought. Without thought or, or, ca- or, ca- or, tr- or training <laughs> or anything. Just like a natural, carnal, innate thing. <laughs> Ah, it was oh, beautiful. Love I love you, Luther. We absolutely do. Gone too fucking soon. Really, I just um, miss that. And he man. just there's something about him that's very Christmassy. Anyway, it is true because I don't he's know just why. like because he, he's just he's like, like a so good sweater warm and, just... and adorable and sparkly, and yeah. like I just I wish people would have protected Luther better. Yeah, you know, like I wish he had better people around him. I wish he just. I mean, I don't know. I just miss I wish Luther. the world wasn't such a, like, homophobic shitstorm. I know. I wish it could have just that been That would him. allow people to flourish as yeah. themselves and be happy and healthy. We have to do an episode on Luther and just... <laughs> we all have to do better. We all have to do better for the, ne- for the next generation of Luthers. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, that man was, like, robbed of just, like, being, like, happy and gay and out and just, like, I don't know. It's a bummer. Anyways. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. You're next. Oh, well, it's my turn, right? Oh, no, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your that turn. Was, yeah, it's oh, my yeah, turn. I just went. <laughs> um, so, well, I kind of I wanted to talk about um, a song, one of my favorite Christmas songs, but I also felt like it wouldn't be right to ignore the biggest selling Christmas song. Of all time. Of all time. Actually, it's actually the biggest selling, selling song, song of, of all time. time. Yeah. And like, um, <laughs> I don't know if you were planning on talking about it. I just knew it was going to come up. Like, it's right. just like, I mean, we've talked we about it. We should just kind of brush over the history of it. Just, and, yeah, just do the... the <laughs> this version of the song has sold in excess of 100 million copies. Are you kidding me? And all versions combined have sold 150 million copies. Jesus. 
That's crazy that they account for like this one single song is, especially how many knowing how many times it's been covered, you know that like. And this is still yeah the bulk of the sales. It's crazy. We all know this song. Yeah, we do. 1942, Irving Berlin uh, mm-hmm. wrote the song, and Bing Crosby sold it and made it the biggest selling. So. It's. I mean, it's that's the biggest selling single of all time. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And like by a, and I don't think anything will ever catch up to it. I just don't feel like it's possible. Who's like, selling units anyway? Nobody. Who's, no one's moving any units. No one's any moving units. units. But beyond that too, it's like it's impossible. Says it just got a gold disc for streaming shit. <laughs> just from streaming. <laughs> I mean, that's all. That's no one's. No one's going to be hitting 150 million anytime soon. I no. mean, unless you're clocking YouTube views, but like. Even still, now people get the views. Now people get the views. Yeah, but like you don't like I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. <sighs> um, but also there's something weird about so Gwen Stefani put out a Christmas album this I year just in October, October, which somebody thought was a good idea. Just like wait a month, like settle I felt down. Like it was too early and it, it, way it didn't too get early. enough attention. It because, really didn't. Like, and there's some really cute songs on there too. But then also I thought White Christmas, mm, mm. 2017. Do we really need a song called, called White, White Christmas? Christmas? Do we need a s- <laughs> anything called White Anything? <laughs> Maybe just hold until like, <laughs> I don't know. Just let that let one. Hashtag let, all hashtag, holidays matter. All holidays matter. <laughs> it just felt like, I don't think we need that. Yeah. But also my favorite version of the song is from a little holiday movie called Home Alone. Aww. And there's two things to me that signify Christmas. And one of them's Home Alone. <laughs> Can I just give one second about <laughs> the Home Alone? Um, the scene in the movie when they're at the school uh, the school recital or the church recital. In the very remember, beginning. In the beginning. The, there's this weird part of the movie that will always stick in my head of when they're singing Christmas tree oh Christmas Christmas tree my Christmas tree and the girl right before Kevin pushes Doesn't she have like milk come out of her nose or something no it's like she's singing about to sing her solo and she's really feeling herself she goes Christmas tree my Christmas tree and then that's right when Kevin pushes bug uh, or like buzz and then everything all hell goes loose uh-huh. but like this weird moment in the movie when this girl is just like scre- like singing out Christmas tree, my Christmas tree, every year without a Like a, a dramatic doubt. child. Oh, just, I mean, that was her moment to sign. I, I want to know like what she did after that. Like, she probably she- went to a lot of auditions after school with her mom. <laughs> <laughs> until, finally, until finally <laughs> settling on a, a career in something else. Accounting, probably. Yeah, accounting was going to be my first I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. but yeah, that movie is Christmas to me. It is. Um, it's just, it's my favorite Christmas movie. And and number two, they both like share like an equal yeah. spot at number one They're for so me. They're so great. And the version um, that's in the movie <laughs> is by The Drifters. And I just... <laughs> this is the best scene. The, the best version of this song, without a doubt. And I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, that that movie was like my introduction to this song too. This is the best bit. 
Come through, BBs. That is number one. Let's talk about the vocals in that song. Oh, yeah, the vocal, the BVs are so good. They're so great. And then at the end, that uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, all of. That skinding. It's uh, that song. But this wasn't even the song that I wanted. It's not to even talk the song, about. sorry. <laughs> I just thought like we, we have had to, to, we talk, have to about talk about White that Christmas. song. We have to talk about White Christmas. It's a great song, but like, yeah, that Drifters version is by and large it's so the good. standout. It's just got a lot just, of personality. It's got a lot of personality. Obviously, it's got its nostalgic bits because of Home Alone, but like There's also this like irreverent, like quirky thing it's, about it's, it. it's, I feel like it's just it's like taking it's not taking itself si- seriously yeah. it's like it's over the top like over that the guy top. the background singer he yeah. doesn't sound like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know like and I'm pretty sure like that uh, whoever is the guy of Drif- Drifters I feel like his voice was like pitched down a little bit too you know like I don't think so really? they didn't they didn't really do that back in the 50s let's see what he looked like Christmas. They just look like a 1950s like R and B like doo wop group. Yeah. Um, but That's another even- song from the film Home Alone is one of my like top three favorite Christmas songs, and it's this one. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch Home Alone right now. I know, right? This is Peter McAllister. The father. Can I have one of those uh, rooms, the little refrigerators with the key on it? Credit card? You got it. (laughs) No, I forgot the best part. Howdy do. (laughs) It's Peter McAllister. The father. That's from two. That's from two, but it's still great. But yeah, still great. (laughs) Um, Okay, let me blow your mind right quick with some information about that's Brenda Lee with Rocking Around the Christmas Mm -hmm. Tree. How old do you think Miss Brenda Lee was when she recorded that? Brenda Lee, like, she sounds like she's like any, she could be like 14 or 40. (laughs) She was 13 years old. See? I'm telling (laughs) you. Yeah, she sounds like, was she the one who did the. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Do you know that song? Did she? I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. So they kind of sound similar, don't Let's you see. think? Because <clears throat> if Brenda Lee is like the unsung queen of Christmas, then we need to like blow the gasket on that news right now. I think she was Gayla Peavy. <laughs> Don't they sound similar? 
They both sound like children who've been drinking and smoking for 20 years. <laughs> I just imagine her sitting in the vocal booth with a cigarette. Singing. Yeah, they weirdly sound super grown up. They do. Um, the, yeah, so she was 13 when she recorded it. Um, it was released a couple years later. Uh, it released. They released Decca. It came out on Decca, mm-hmm. the jazz and like classic label. Mm-hmm. They released the single in both 1958 and again in 1959. It didn't sell well until Lee became a popular star in 1960. Oh wow! Um, that Christmas holiday season, Lee's and Brenda her voice Lee's, had probably changed dramatically by that point in time. Yeah, because she would have been. She would have been like, like an, almost an adult. Yeah. Um. Her album, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, peaked at number 14 on the uh, Billboard Hot 100. And um, to date, wait, there was some really interesting fact. The original version, <laughs> oh, by 2008, this, the, her version of the song had sold over 25 million copies oh. and with the fourth most digital download of any Christmas single. Jeez. Isn't that weird? That's crazy. So it's almost like been more popular as a yeah as like download? a digital download than it has in which is weird which i blame on home alone without a doubt but like it just seems like oh you think that people are only like listening to it in home alone i just feel like it no been i on think all these people com- discovered com- it from from home alone because that's that's one of those movies that's on tv all every the time year. yeah yeah but i just figured that you know like it's been on i don't know i feel like it's always on those com- christmas compilations and like it's on everything it's just weird that they would say that it's sold. I mean, it's it makes sense, I guess, because people will regularly buy the same Christmas song over and over and over again. Yeah. Which I don't get. Like, honestly, like, who the fuck is buying, like, All I Want for Christmas is You still? Like, who doesn't have that song available to them? You know? <laughs> like, I mean, there's babies being born every day. That is true. Not as that many. That is true. Not as many white ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, um... <laughs> the single <laughs> The oh, single God. returned to the Billboard Hot 100 <laughs> on December 26, 2015, reaching number 30. Mm. Wow. In the Hot 100 it got to number 30? <laughs> yeah, in 2015. Jeez. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I don't think that many like but well, I don't know. I feel like not many Christmas songs like hit the Hot 100 like around this time. I mean, I guess maybe a couple do this time of year. Oh, and then also it's placed fifth on the list of all-time best-selling Christmas holiday digital singles. Damn, still yeah. doing well. Well, I guess yeah. Brenda Lee. Brenda Lee or somebody, whoever's your, still your coins. Yep. <clears throat> so, yeah, I love that song. It is a great song. It is just, it is super fun every time you hear it you just want to start like shuffling you know but um this next song that i'm gonna do um is uh like it's probably my no it is my favorite christmas song um and i found out some other really great information about this song today that i didn't know um so um i'll just play a little bit of it actually before i get into this song Mm-hmm. I want to do some honorable mentions because um, I had a really hard time with this episode today um, just because, like I said, I'm a big Christmas music fan and I needed to like kind of work through a lot of like 
which is probably the most difficult, all the most difficult decisions I've made on this episode, on this show thus far, which is kind of ridiculous because uh, I basically scrapped all the songs that I had selected and then picked new ones and scrapped them again and then picked new ones. Um, but um, there's a, a few that I feel like I couldn't really say would be my top three, but it would be absolutely remiss of me not to speak about them. Um, one in particular is Bruce Springsteen's version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Um, it's It makes me smile every time I hear it. It's, it's all cold down along the beach. <laughs> it's the cutest thing in the world. He uh, recorded it. Uh, hey, man! Recorded in Long Island, and uh, oh, no one listened to it for a very all, long time, and then it became a big hard. deal. Yeah, clients, you've been you've been rehearsing real hard now, so Santa bring you a new saxophone, right? R.I.P. to Clarence. Yeah. Oh, that's not many, not many. You guys are in trouble out here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to take a screenshot of something, but I'll get to it in a second. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town. So I'm going to play a little bit of that um, because I love that song and it's uh, unbelievable. Um, I don't know if I feel like I I don't know if this is one you're talking about. I know it was on one of on your EP, um, but it's a classic jam. It's also one of my favorite holiday music videos because it's so '80s and it's kind of got this weird like sexy like me and like my really cool sexy hip friends are gonna go to this ski lodge and like there's gonna be all this weird like sexual tension. The music video is great. Have you seen the music the, video for Last Christmas? Oh yeah. They're like adults going to like on a skiing Ski, trip. A skiing trip and they're yeah. all like hopping around and there's a lot of like long looks at people. Yeah, there's a lot of frosted there's tips. There's a lot of frosted tips. Uh, so if you haven't seen this music video I just want you to go do it because it's yeah. It's really great, and it's super 80s. I wanted to redo the music video yeah. of this. Oh, but there's should've. no snow. Where There's no snow. Isn't there snow at, like, no. uh, nowhere? Nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. It's 90 degrees. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Um, I love that song as well, it's a obviously. Great song. It's just, I don't know. It's so all I want for Christmas for you is and being like, before and then that. before then was probably last Christmas as the yeah. last most recent entry into the Christmas uh, standard Yeah, there's something catalog. very, like, 50s and 60s about Christmas. It is. Yeah. It, like, it just, they won't let it be anything more than, I mean, like, you would think maybe, like, I know people say, like, Christmas time in Hollis is also, like, up there with regard to, like, the big Christmas hits that have happened, but that was, like, early 80s, and, like, I don't even think, like, I don't think that it never it gets anywhere nearly as much airplay as, you know, like, last Christmas or... yeah. Or um, this other one does, but <clears throat> sorry, I took a screenshot. If you heard that that sound of me taking a screenshot, it was because um, I, I googled Brenda Lee, and somebody is trolling her so hard on the internet. I don't know who did this, but if you Google Brenda Lee, her face comes up, but it says Lee Scratch Perry <laughs> on the front page of Google. That is not Brenda Lee. It says Lee. 
Lee Scratch Perry, but it's her face. Oh, that is so me. <laughs> Lee Scratch. Is it Lee Scratch Perry's informa- information or did they just change no, her name on the... No, it's her information. I saw somebody She's had still been... alive. She's 72. She oh. lives in Atlanta. So she is still eating then. Yeah. Oh, good for you, Brenda. That's why she's still... Yeah. <clears throat> Um, okay, so the song that I'm doing last, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, one more, sorry, uh, honorable mention. And I only have to say this oh, one. Oh, these are honorable mentions. These are honorable these mentions. Are these are not my real like. ones. <laughs> this one is um, largely because of uh, a video that I watched on, well, I've always liked the song Celebrate Me Home by Kenny Loggins because it's just like this really great, uh, it's fun to sing to, and it's like this really great uh message of just like i want to go home and hang out with my family during the holidays and Kearney just like, Larrigans. but it's <laughs> <Kearney Larrigans. laughs> but it's also just like uh i love i love kenny loggins kenneth loggins can do no wrong in my opinion like even back kendrick in his uh, loggins. Kendrick loggins <laughs> oh my god you just kendrick gave me a great loggins idea of can doing do wrong though because the eyes what was wrong with that he got his eyes done and they look crazy oh remember Yes. But anyway, I, don't. I digress. Kendrick Loggins. Kendrick Loggins would be a great mashup album. That I need to figure out how to of do. Kenny Loggins of and Kenny Kendrick. Kendrick. I'm gonna make that happen. I can. I feel like you can put like um, humble and like highway to the danger zone somehow <laughs> together, and it, I know that's gonna be magic. But anyways, uh, I'm gonna make that happen. But th- he had this crazy performance in i think at the grand canyon or something like that uh it was like in 1991 it was a live recording i don't know how i found it on the internet one day um but i'm pretty sure after like a joint and then 17 views it somehow became like my favorite thing in the world that year uh and largely because of this incredible saxophone solo and then this sweet smooth sounds and stylings of one mr kenneth loggins uh (laughs) it just it caught me up I'm not even going to it. Listen to that song. Um, it'll be in the playlist for this episode. Um, I just wanted to make sure I got a chance to like mention those three because they're real classics. Anyways, so back to where uh, I was oh supposed God. to get at before I was Kenny Loggins didn't get his eyes done. It was Kenny Rogers. I don't know what's wrong with me. Because I didn't think, because Kenny Loggins still looks very he looks young. Exactly he looks good for his age. I mean, like, I don't know what his skincare regimen has been. I was thinking of Kendrick Rogers. Yeah. Kendrick Rogers, which I feel like is actually a bit more prone to happen. Because <laughs> it's a bigger stretch. Because it's a bigger stretch. Um, so the song that I want to do is the Christmas song. Um, it's a classic uh, track um, made most famous and mo- and originally uh, by uh, Mr. Nat King Cole. Mm. I love this song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. 
Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase Kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to you mm, Buttery <sighs> Buttery and delicious He just, uh, Mr. Nat Kinkle He's also one of those like effortless Singers He probably was like smoking and eating a sandwich oh, while he doubt. did it Without a doubt And laying, whiskey, down, laying like, down on his stomach Doing a puzzle <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean He, so the song was written by Mel Torme and Robert Wells I did not know that Mel Torme was like a lifelong so like Entertainer. He like started singing when he was like four years old, and really? he did so until the day he fucking died, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so it was written in 1940, and he wrote it. He wrote the song. Him and a guy named Robert Wells, uh, who's a lyricist, and they were like writing. They actually wrote the song in the middle of the summer. Uh, it was like around July or something like that, and it was like super hot, and they were um, just sitting at a piano writing music for something else, and just like complaining about the heat. Um, and so Robert, uh, Wells, um, was just like writing random shit down to like, he said that he was just, uh, well, so there's a, a line in Melter May's autobiography, which is called, uh, it wasn't all velvet. Um, and he, when he's talking about, um, when they were writing this particular song, uh, well, they weren't even writing this song. They were writing for something else. Like I just said, and then you saw him just write down some random shit on a piece of paper that weren't even song lyrics. They were just random things that made him think of cooler things. So he cooled down and he wrote down chestnuts roasting, Jack Frost nipping, Yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos. Like that wasn't like a line of of lyrics. It was just random things that he wrote down because uh, he said he thought that if he could immerse himself in winter, he could cool off. It was just kind of joking. That was like his thing. Um, and so um, uh, Robert didn't really think anything of it. He was just like, eh, I'm not really too, uh, I'm not like, I don't think these are lyrics, but then Mel was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, this sounds like something. So they just started playing around with that one line, and the song kind of came together after that. Um, <clears throat> it, so the reason why... Uh, I, something I learned about this song that kind of blew my mind that I was really excited about uh, is that... So 
this obviously the song was written in 1946 where um, black people were not making pop music they weren't not making music that was charting um the color line was still very much so a thing like they had like the r&b charts were the race charts for a reason because that's where black music lived it did not cross over back then um but you know like Melter May had grown up in and around jazz and stayed in the, in those circles and so he knew who Nat King Cole was who at that point in time was a very successful jazz pianist in LA he had made plenty of money just doing that he wasn't like the Nat King Cole we know him to be now obviously um and um when Mel uh and uh why did I just forget his name Wells when Mel and Wells went uh to uh, when they Wells. finished the song, they were like, yo, like, who should sing this? And they were thinking, is this like a, a Bing Crosby song? And then Torme was like, nope, this needs to go to Nat King Cole. Um, and so he, like, goes over to Nat King Cole's house, like, knocks on the door. And, like, they were homies, so, like, it, they said, like, it was nothing for those two to just, like, show up there. And so he went over there, played in the song. He was like, yo, I really like this a lot. Um and they just like left him the song and said just figure out what to do with it and um he did and mm. if it's crazy when you think about it you know like back then they were trying to like the so Cap- this was nat king cole's this like was, crossover this was song nat- no well almost he was signed to Capitol records back then and um he just wasn't he wasn't able to really be played on that many radio stations obviously because he's black and um essentially what ended up happening was he recorded uh, the uh, the song he rearranged it a little bit and, and kind of like made it a Nat King Cole vibe and recorded it but he was like super worried that they were going to try and take it away from him and give it to like Bing Crosby or Dinah Shore um, <laughs> but what ended up happening was uh, he sent it into the uh, to the record label and then a few weeks later um, he had uh, released a song that was called "I Love You for the Sensible Reasons," which is like one of mm. his biggest hits. Mm-hmm. It's one of it's his breakout hit. With that song, he broke the color barrier on radio. He was one of the first. He wow. was the first black man to kind of play on white radio stations. Really, and that only happened a few weeks before the Christmas song was released. And so that was his. The Christmas song was his big follow up to that, and it was like huge. Honestly, and this is a line from this book that was great. It said, thanks to Nat King Cole, Christmas had color. The song marked the first time thousands of white Americans plopped down the money to purchase a black man's holiday record. Uh, the success generated by by the Christmas song opened the door for Lou Rawls, Ray Charles, Earth the Kid, and Ethel Waters to put their own spins on holiday classics, which are true because if you look at the sort of like release of mm. of albums in the the three years following, all of those people released albums largely because of the successes of a black sound on, during the holidays. So... We actually have wow. uh, a very important, very big Christmas song that was written by a Jew and performed by a black man uh, that was that became uh, a sort of like historical for uh, Christians. For Christians. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's like the crazy story behind um, wow, that's the so Christmas cool. song that I did not know um, that I am like super jazzed to hear about um, because any. Black excellence is black is worth celebrating. Yeah. Yay, Nat. Um so Yeah, that's I mean that's that's up there with like one of the best, most awesome, beautiful, I love timeless that song. Christmas songs. And to me just that like, song is Christmas. It's just yeah, it's Christmas totally in, in, in lyric and in sound and in feel. Um it's it, instant. It's instant. I mean like 
I feel like Chris, at least Christmas for me was like defined by that song. Um, I sang it uh, at, you know, like church. I sang it everywhere. It was. It it's was one of the defining songs of Christmas. Of the holidays. So, yeah. um, thanks, yeah. Nat. Thanks, Nat. Thanks, thanks Mel. Thanks, Mel and, um, Other and, guy. and Bob. Bill. Bob, Bob Wells. Bob Wells. Bob Wells. Bob Wells. Bob Wells, Mel Torme. Um, I also wanted to play a little bit of the Vince Guaraldi trio's version of that song. Oh, because please do. I love listening to this man play the piano. Yeah. Oh, shit. I should have put... I don't know why I left and, uh, Peanuts. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to do it, too, which is crazy. That's why I didn't do it. I'm well, going to add yeah, it. Yeah, just add it. Do there's a really terrible version uh, that Whitney Houston did of this Uh-oh. song, which sh- it shames me to say, but it was like it was super. What was, period of Whitney was it? This was uh, post first rehab stint, uh, Whitney. Like so this mid-90s? was mid 90s. No, this was late 90s. Late 90s. Uh, this was that. No, it was 2001. Oh, yeah. Ooh. This was after. Yeah, I know. But it was like super, it was kind of like the, who's the one chick that was on? Uh, like around the Michael Jackson concert Around the Michael time. Jackson concert Yeah, that, was not, yeah, that was not a good Whitney. Yeah. But this was the one, it, she was kind of like a caricature of herself though on this song. It was similar to, uh, who's the lady on Mad TV that used to do her? Deborah? Uh, Deborah? Yeah. yeah. It just seemed like she was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, also, um, what's her name used to do her on? SNL, Maya. Maya Rudolph. Yeah, she killed it. Um, I love my Bobby B. I love you, Bobby. I love my Bobby B. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, that's those are my top. Wait, three. I thought you were gonna play the Whitney. Oh yeah, I have to play a little bit of the Whitney one. Duh. <laughs> Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Well, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Mm. You're like carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. I mean, by any standard, that is still a, that still looks a great a vocal, splendid vocal, it's still a full splendid vocal. But you can tell that she like, feels that track is slow. Oh, without a doubt, she's like, "Can we move <laughs> she it up?" Like, she's like, "Let's pick let's, up let's. the pace." <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to run. <laughs> she's like, "Maybe if I run, it'll feel faster." Yeah. Than me. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's the Christmas song. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Love you, Whitney. Love you, Whitney. Miss you, Whitney. Um. Well. That's going to lead me to my, sort of my, like, ultimate Christmas jam, mm-hmm. which is a part of my ultimate Christmas album. Mm-hmm. 
This album was given to me on compact disc <laughs> on the day of my, I want to say like 11th birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, was a game changer. It was a game changer. Yeah. And there's some really hilarious tea involved in this <laughs> story. That's just, anyway, y'all already know. <laughs> This is like peak Mariah Carey. It's peak for me. Mariah. I mean, the, no, <laughs> it's peak Mariah. It's peak Mariah. It's no, like peak it, it, Mariah. No, it's peak Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> peak Mariah. Peak Mariah for everybody. I'm so passionate. Yeah. Yeah. It's peak Mariah for like it's just universal. This was like at her. This was at her best. Vocal best. This whole album best. is so. This was her fourth album. Which is it's crazy. the biggest selling Christmas album of, of all, all time. time. And to be honest, so it should be. As it should be. It's yeah. a flawless Like some things are right album. in the world. Exactly. The thing that was so funny to me was that how bad the reviews of this album were. Were so they really bad? I, they were t- almost unanimously terrible. Which is crazy. Which is so funny because jokes on you. I know, exactly, right? I mean, like, come on. Do you on still now. have your job at the New you York sure Times? Probably, probably don't. not. Mariah still has those her hits, job at, though. Mariah she's, still has her job as Queen of Christmas. She's still one songs. She's the Queen of Christmas. She's the Queen of Christmas. Like, without she's, a doubt. She, she not only wrote, like, one really good original Christmas song that's, like, the last really good original Christmas song to make it big, um, but. She also wrote several more that were on there, yeah, like that were originals. Originals that were all that are all that are all still certifiable hits on their own, even outside of like all I want for Christmas is you. Like before I get to the um, reading some of the terrible reviews, I'm so excited to hear them. <laughs> I couldn't actually believe it that people were that. I think shady. people were kind of, you know, journalist they, critics. They were kind of gunning for Mariah, I think, because she was so successful. But, also, nobody was doing Christmas albums back then, so she, they were probably just like, what the fuck is this? You're like, why are you doing a Christmas album? Yeah. But I think a lot of times, like, people will look at it and say that, like, oh, she... Maybe she's the reason why people do Christmas albums is because they I constantly so, want to try to do what she did. Without a doubt, because, like, she was a, a pop star 
not yeah. anything more than that. And so when she did this like album, and it's like it's R and B and it's doo wop and it's soul and it's gospel and it's Christmas and it's like yeah, it standards. It's all, it's all yeah. these things. It's like this genre blending mind. She even did a album. dance version of Joy to the World, which I'll get to in a moment. Oh my god, I did not know that. Let's <laughs> well, go on the to album. That. Oh, like I thought she was dancing. No, I mean it's just like. <laughs> It's like a it's like a fruity okay, David like, Morales sounding okay, production I I was like, that's on the what album. What do you mean Mariah's dancing? <laughs> but <laughs> we know also, she doesn't do, do that. you know she made a second Christmas album which Christmas nobody listened number to? Number two, you did you listen to it? I listened to parts of it. Well, it has a a, a new version of All I Want for Christmas is You on the it. The super that's festive called version. Extra festive. Oh, extra festive. <laughs> and basically, all they did was take out the beginning vocal <laughs> and put some sil- syrupy string arrangement. So you turn into the Disney version. It sounds of your like song. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Can't you just see the magical kingdom? I know, right like now? unfolding, and yeah. there's like a, a magic rainbow that pops up, and then a shooting star. Yeah. Why does she have a twang? Uh, she has a twang in that song too. Did you hear country yeah. twang? I'm pretty sure it's just the original vocal that, that they've remixed. That is not the original vocal. No, she recut oh, it. She absolutely did. So, well, it's she not people. There is okay. just one thing I need. You didn't hear that thing? Let's go back. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah, it's not the same. She's like, I'm an urban artist, I'm an urban artist now, you guys. <laughs> it's not thing. I it's say thang. thang. <laughs> Haven't you heard my song with Buster Rhymes? I have a new lifestyle. Later, Tommy. (laughs) I was reading, like, uh, an interview with the uh, guy who helped write this song. Walter Azanafiyev. Whatever. Azanafiyev. Is that racist? To make fun of his last name? I don't know. We're really covering all our bases. We're just trying to pronounce his name. name. Anyways. um, Walter Avanazioff. I thought it was as like Azanavioff. I don't know how to say this. Walter. We'll just call him Walter. Walt. Yeah. So I was reading this interview between uh, I think it was Walt and Billboard about this particular uh, song or this uh, experience of recording this album, and he was saying, you know, like, uh, so I hear that Mariah's really interested in um, turning this into like a uh, sort of film adaptation. And then I was just gonna report on that I'll later. Go for it. Oh, you were? But well, like uh, towards the end. But yes, please go ahead. No, but I was just like, and he was just like, well, I don't know, cause we don't talk. We're not friends. Cause when she broke up with Tommy, she had to break up with all of us. So I haven't worked with her since the Butterfly album. I haven't really spoken to her at all since then. So I don't know anything that's going on. And I was like, that's so weird. Really? Because literally, they did all of her first three albums. First. They did. She did their first. Yeah, four records. That's all. And she, he's like, we didn't really have a relationship to begin with because I think it was just like straight up music. Work. But he just worked, and they worked well together. They worked really well together. I mean, they made some I mean, certifiable that's jams. Her best material, material, material. We're just me. like really falling all over our words. <laughs> we need pie. <laughs> we do. We need pie stuff. Um, but what I was, yeah, she she announced via her Twitter account in March of 2017 that all I want for for Christmas is you is being developed into uh, some kind of a musical film. I just TBD. I don't want to see that. I don't know. Like, it's I hope, I hope Mariah no doesn't like. No one wants to see that. 
Mariah it. It's not going to be She will. Like, you think so? Of course, that's what she does. I mean, I don't know. I mean, she's been... Well, that is what she does. But we just can't keep can't keep, can't keep giving her passes. <laughs> to just, somebody's got to take the keys away eventually. <laughs> but but the, the album... She started working on the album almost like more than a year prior to when it came out. Mm-hmm. And because the video for All I Want for Christmas is You was filmed basically a year before it came out. So this oh, was really, really like well it in place. She'd yeah. been like working on this and really planning it and she loves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the thing that was kind of interesting about the whole al- the album as a whole was how the three singles that they picked to sort of lead the album were each strategically picked for very different markets. All I Want for Christmas for You was sort of aimed at the top 40 adult contemporary stations, like very mainstream. Miss You Most at Christmas Time was focused uh, towards R&B radio stations. And Jesus Born on This Day was sent to like Christian and gospel stations. So she actually was getting play on Christian radio. Yeah, she was. Which is is so crazy. Like you said, it also like it does dip into... A lot of different genres. Gospel. There's a heavy gospel mm-hmm. uh, tone to the record, and some of her greatest Vocals. vocal work ever. Without a doubt. And this this one really stands out to me. Um, Silent Night. Mm. I'm gonna play a little bit at the beginning, but I'm really gonna jump in at two minutes because it's kind That's of when it goes. mind blowing. Yeah, it's true. Shit. 
<laughs> that got some people saved. It absolutely did. <laughs> it's probably getting somebody saved right now. If you would like to accept, <laughs> you know, like um, I mean, yeah, she really, she, sang she really sang that her ass song. Off. I mean, this. Album, I don't think anyone ever did that song better than that. No, not at all. Not. I mean, her. I also want to play a little bit of Christmas Baby, Please Come Home because that song. Play it. Still she, it's an original, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, Her and Walter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. I'm watching Lots of people. <laughs> I just realized I'm just sitting here just listening to it and I'm like, I don't need to listen to this. We're recording a podcast right now. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, another original. Let me read some of these. Yes, please um, get into these reviews. Some of the reviews that that happened. Uh let me see. Doop 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 doo doo. Um it it like performed incredibly well commercially pretty much like right off the bat but since then it's continued and continued to build and build and build the album sold 15 million copies mm-hmm. um and continues who knows how many i think that um the single sold like over 100 million or something mm-hmm. jesus so it's, um, it's definitely it's one of the highest selling singles it's one of, of the top 10 well. performing singles of top all time five as well. yeah top five yeah um, okay, so Los Angeles Times critic Chris Willman wrote that Carrie attempts her share of girl group pop amid the quasi-gospel melisma, though still not evidencing as much personality as talent in either style. Wow. New York Times journalist John Pirellis, um, or John Pariah as I like to call him, <laughs> was more critical in his review. Regardless of backup, Ms. Carrie oversings glutton songs with her vocal tics like sliding down from the note above the melody note and turning the expressions of devotion into narcissistic displays. Okay. Oh, God. Okay, John. Jesus, he is bitter. What did, you, what, yeah, what what did, did you she do, do to you? What did she do to you? She probably like... And what did you do for anybody? Exactly. Wow. That was Chris crazy. Chris Dickinson from the Chicago Tribune called the singer... A trilling songbird and over-the-top irritant throughout the album, particularly on All I Want for Christmas is You, where she sounds like a Bush League Pachula (laughs) clock. (laughs) It's so funny. What? Um, The newspaper later named it the seventh worst Christmas album of all time. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. Which newspaper was that again? Chicago Tribune. Jesus. I hope you guys fire that person, Chicago Tribune. I'm going to tweet at them and tell them to fire them, if you just, even if they haven't. It's just so funny because... Wow. Talk about eat your words. Yeah. You know? It's just... It kind of just shows you how irrelevant... 
music like critiques, critiques uh, can be. Yeah. Yeah. Can be. How can you listen to that song or that any of that album and be like, oh yeah, she oversang it? I mean, it's like she Mariah carried it. It's a Mariah Carey album. It's Mariah Carey music, Mariah Carey arrangements. Like you know what you're getting yourself into. But beyond that, she didn't. She like yeah. sang the fuck out of them. Yes, but like that, that's crazy. Also, catch this. Um, in Japan, it became the fourth best-selling album by a non-Asian solo artist. Wow. The fourth best-selling, best-selling album, album by, really? by a non-Japanese artist, solo artist. That's a lot of qualifiers. I'm trying to figure out where that sits at in like the grand it scheme. It sold of a like, lot of copies in Japan. It sold a lot of copies in Japan. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> it sold 2.5 million copies in Japan. And how many people are in Japan? Like 30 million? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, in especially like considering how many of those What's people... What's the population of Japan? Watch, I try and get this. The population of Japan is about 126 okay, million I was people. way off. You were way off. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of people well, for such a, a tiny place. Well, it's got a lot of chain. It's a lot of islands. And they kind of, they're stacked on top of each other. There's gigantic buildings everywhere. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Um... <clears throat> So before I move on from the album, I also wanted to give you just a little taste of this joy to the world, yes. which is like kind of on the far end stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, that the one you just played kind of has a bit of a Brenda Lee vibe. Yeah. The joy to the world that I played? No, the, um, the Mariah Carey song. The Mariah song Carey song, played. yeah. Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. I yeah. love that song. Yeah. But this one has like a David Morales, like Whitney Houston version of... I'm every woman kind of vibe once it gets it's like a very fruity 90s handbag house I wonder if David Morales did work on this I know they worked on a lot of shit I feel like they had to have let me look that up god I love this rendition I don't know why I was thinking like it's like at the end of BAPS. Carrie. <laughs> she carries. She's good. <laughs> she carries. 
Oh man. So yeah, that's uh. So yeah, eat eat that. You have to. I mean, it's we had to talk about it. It's it's. uh, I just love that it was so terribly reviewed. That blows my mind. Like I just I thought that it just seemed like an album that was just universally adored, and that's why it's gotten to where it's gotten to. But it's crazy that the sounds like a bush league patchouli clock. That is such shade. Like, oh man. I feel like she probably remembered that that one line and probably saw him at that guy one day and like and said like, "Oh, it's me, the Bush League Patchouli Clark." I hope nice she to did. Meet you. I hope she did because you know, you know she would you know be she's that. petty. You know she's petty. <laughs> she's so petty. Uh, <sighs> did you see uh, this? I don't think it made much of a splash, but she was accused of sexual harassment just recently. Uh, it must have been overshadowed. It absolutely was, but like it's the craziest thing was this story is bananas. Um, I'm just gonna read a little bit of it. it. Says the headline is Mariah Carey security guard claims sexual harassment. Says she also called him a Nazi and a skinhead. Um, I believe it. I don't. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> believe it. It says like um, Mariah Carey's former security company is threatened to sue her, and the guy who owns the company says she constantly humiliated him by referring to him as a Nazi, a skinhead, a KKK member, and a white supremacist. (laughs) Um, uh, He said that she humiliated him and his colleagues by referring to them as members of the hate group uh, and said that she only wanted to be surrounded by black guys, not white people. Um, Well. Shocker. (laughs) Um, Welcome to my life. Exactly. Um, And... And this is the crazy part. It says, Nello claims during the trip uh, to Cabo San Lucas, Mariah asked him to come to her room to move some luggage. And when he got there, she was wearing a see-through negligee that was open. He said he tried leaving, but she insisted he move the luggage. He said they left the room and there was no physical contact. First of all, crazy. I'm going to stop you right there. Because that's what that's Mariah, Mariah wears, wears every, every day, day. Everywhere. All the time. That's so what it's she just wears like, to get in the car. That's what she wears to go to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> She probably wore that to Rowan Rock's, like, first communion or whatever. Um, with, like, little... No, I'm not say that. But, like, it was just like, do, do you not know this woman? Like That's not evidence. That's not evidence. That's just, like, Mariah being Mariah. Anyway, so it's obviously probably not going anywhere at all. But, like, I thought it was hilarious that Mariah Carey was being sued for just literally being Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> and wanting to hang out with black people. Like, yeah, sue her. Sure. Anyways. That's good. I feel like you could definitely get a job doing research on Wendy Williams. Oh, I probably could. Yeah. Just digging around in the in the, <laughs> the dark web for random bullshit. <laughs> like, did you know that so-and-so? Yeah, I could do that. I would not want to, though, but... I well, had... I picked... I, I oh, thought worst we discussed worst. Worst, yeah. worst, worst. Yes, that's what I forgot. So... Um, okay, so... This song... Was a toss up. Well, not really a toss up. I knew it was going to be this song because it's the worst song I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> but this one song I completely forgot about um, until today when a friend of mine, I was talking to a friend of mine that I was, we were recording about this, and he's like, "Yo, are you going to talk about the Dipset Christmas album?" What? There was a Dipset Christmas album uh, that Jim Jones released in like 2007, and it is straight garbage. <laughs> Uh, and it's just like I'll play like a couple. Living fast and balling at Christmas time. It's gonna be a good Christmas this year. <laughs> Santa know when you good or bad, <laughs> and we balling. Music's tight, tight. My stuff. We're here tonight. 
<laughs> fast and balling on Christmas time. Living fast and balling. It's like an interpolation of that Paul McCartney song. I mean, there's a song on oh, here wow. where he's talking about even, slang and coke. Like, I like, can't go any further with that a one. A crazy I'll play that album. one. Um, let me... Is this the one? Is it called White Christmas? <laughs> no, surprisingly not. He also put We Fly High on here for no real reason. Maybe he thought they were like angels. Was it so long ago? Seems like yesterday. Mommy busting her ass so she could make a better way. Now the table's turned, I'ma take a stress away. So we can have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Was it so long ago? Seems like yesterday. Mommy busting her ass so she could make a better way. Now the table's turned, I'ma take a stress away. So we can have a Merry Christmas and Listen, a Happy Holiday. Listen, you know holiday. that early niggas woke up that morning still yawning. With no teeth brushing and nothing under the tree performance. That's enough. <laughs> wow. I wonder if he thought he could just... I wonder if he ever wishes he could just make that go away forever. I feel like he's probably proud of it. I don't think Jim J- Jim Jones does anything he's not 100% behind <clears throat> and will not stay behind. Uh, wow. I mean, it is a it is a musical journey that I, is not for the faint of the heart, but definitely give it a shot because there are some great lines in, in throughout this album. Um, but... A Dipset Christmas album, <laughs> get into it, I suppose. Wow. But that's not even the song I wanted to play. Um, the song I want to play uh, is called The Christmas Shoes, uh, or just Christmas Shoes, uh, and it's got a really ridiculous story behind it, actually. Um, and I was unaware of the actual story behind it until uh, I looked into it, uh, just because I just knew it would just be a shitty Christmas song, but... Uh, it's actually kind of nuts what ended up happening. Uh, anyways, it was uh, actually kind of nuts what ended up happening uh, or the being responsible for uh, this song. So um, the story goes that it was like in the late 1970s, there was a lady named Helga Schmidt uh, who was doing some Christmas shopping. And there were some like two kids that were standing in line in front of her. And they had like a pair of shoes that she said were kind of tacky, but she thought they were like for her grandma or whatever, for their grandma. Uh, and they got up to the register and they were like $3 short and they had like change and like dollars and, uh, and they're like, well, you got to go put it back or get something cheaper or whatever. And then they're like, really, that's all we have. And you know, Helga was feeling the spirit of Christmas and she was like, all right, I'll buy your, I'll give you your $3 or whatever. And, uh, so she buys a, she like gives an episode the, of what would you exactly, do? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So she gives the kids $3 to get the rest of the shoes and, uh, they go, but they kind of stay and wait for her to finish ringing up. Uh, and so she's walking towards them. And, and they one say, of like, those kids was Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that'd be actually really funny. But um, <clears throat> she ended up, they said thanks and said to them, um, uh, they were like, these, these shoes are for our mom. She's very sick and is going to go to heaven real soon. Uh, and they'll match the streets of gold in heaven. And she was, like, super moved by it, apparently. And uh, Schmidt was in college at the time, and they had, like, a writing assignment about a recent experience. And uh, she wrote down this story about the Christmas shoes, about, like, these kids who, like, uh, just her story of, like, being at the, at the store and uh, seeing them and paying for them, telling her what that was. And then 
her professor um, submitted that to like his church's newsletter or whatever. And then the following year, a bunch of other people started listen, like posting it around. Uh, and then it like a decade or two later, it was in Chicken Soup for the oh for the soul. soul or whatever volume one volume one or something. And, and then people started forwarding it around like back in the nineties when people would like do those ridiculous email forwards, those, like chain emails. This whole song, uh, this whole story spread uh, over like the course of time through an email chain. Until it reaches uh, this guy named Eddie Carswell, who is in this uh, Christian group named New Song, which uh, were responsible for a really hilarious song from my youth uh, called Arise My Love that I always uh, wow. thought was really funny. Do you remember that song? No. Oh, it was crazy. It was like, arise my love, arise my love, the grave no longer has a hold on you. It was dramatic as fuck. <laughs> Sounds dramatic. <clears throat> Anyways, so they're responsible for that. Um, and so he was listening. He read the email and was like, oh, wow, this is like so compelling. I should write a song about it. But it was like the year 2000. Nobody was really fucking with like like cancer moms and like uh, like sad kids on Christmas. They wanted something that was a bit more like. Slutty. Traditional and slutty, oh. you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, that year it didn't really, like, it, it wasn't really, it kind of fell flat when they released it and nobody was really, a, a few stations in, like, Nebraska and I think Kansas were, like, picked up the song and were playing it. Uh, and then people started, like, emailing each other that, like, oh, there's a song about this. So they would just reply back to this, like, email thread to be like oh my god somebody made a song you should check it out request it on the radio and so the way that this song ended up spreading was very similar to the way in which the story ended up spreading it all spread through this email chain which is crazy it was like that was how shit used to go viral that's how it went viral yeah so like this song was a viral hit because it's the story was a viral what the fuck is this song um the song uh, ended up becoming number one on Billboard's adult contemporary chart that year, and it also topped the Christian chart and it landed on the R&B and country playlist. Oh my God, I think I know what song this is. Uh, and this awful ass song is it like Butterfly or something? No, let's Butterfly Kisses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's basically the same thing, but with Christmas. Uh, here it is. Who sings this? New song. Oh, new song. You told me that. Yeah. What year was this? 2000. It was almost Christmas time. And there I stood in another line. Trying to buy that last gift or two. Not really in the Christmas mood. Standing right in front of me was a little boy waiting anxiously. Pacing round like little boys do And in his hands he held A pair of shoes And his clothes were worn and old He was dirty from head to toe And when it came his time to pay I couldn't believe what I heard him say Sir, I want to buy these shoes for my mama, please 
It's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size. Could you hurry, sir? I'm good. Daddy on that. says there's not I know, right? You, see, you have to listen to the. But the do chi- I? There's children. There's a children's <laughs> chorus near the end. Hang on. Mind me. What Christmas oh. is all about? Where my mama, please. It's Christmas Eve, and these shoes are just her size. Anyways, um, it sounds like, um, who's that girl? She's like. A pop artist. <laughs> sounds like Ellie Goulding. Oh, it kind of does. Um, um, but yeah, it's just like, it's the biggest fucking bummer of a song. I mean, no one wants to be like, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think I've ever heard that. It's really, it's awful. Because I feel like I hear it. I mean, maybe it just like played a lot in the Midwest or like on the East Coast or something or in the South. I don't know. Maybe it just didn't like hit here. Uh, I wasn't really in California in the early 2000s much, so it. like when it would have been popular. It on the reminds radio, me but... of like George W. Bush just became president. Oh, that's exactly when it was. Yeah. Like it, it just sounds like it that. sounds like George W. Bush. <laughs> it sounds like the Bush years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like it's without a doubt an awful, awful song that I feel like once you hear it, like. You can't unhear. You can't it. unhear, and then you'll hear it more often. And the funny thing Those was, I was reading. I was reading a lot of uh, just s- stories about it. So like, it's appeared on various worst Christmas song lists. It's been on uh, NBC Today said Christmas shoes the worst holiday song ever. Toronto City News, the ten most annoying Christmas uh, songs. Uh, um, it's been on Jezebel as being the worst Christmas song voted after a weeks long survey of commenters and voting. Um, um, there was an internet critic See, Jezebel, who no. named the song the most disturbing and an in, 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 in inescapable Christmas song. Uh, the crazier part about this is though they turned this song into a movie. No, uh, not even just a movie, but a whole series of <laughs> no, films. No, they didn't. They certainly no, did. No, they did um, not. Uh, the Christmas Shoes is a 2002 American Canadian made for television drama <laughs> film <Sorry. laughs> based on this song and the novel of the same name. So there was a novel that came out after this song came out. And then it's the first part of a trilogy of films followed by The Christmas Blessing and The Christmas Hope. Uh, Lifetime? Is, of course it was. Hallmark. It was Hallmark. I think it was Hallmark. No, it was on CBS. Actually, which is crazy. Uh, and who else? Who was in it? It was, it was like a Rob, time. Rob Lowe and uh, the chick who played um, the daughter in uh, Father of the Bride. Oh, what's her name? Whatever that girl. Yeah. Um, Nancy Kerrigan. Nancy. She does look a little bit like Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> I don't know. It's terrible. It's crazy. So here's a funnier line. Something that my I read. blood sugar is way too low right now to be <laughs> talking or listening to that song. <laughs> But yeah, that is my least favorite Christmas song, uh, without a doubt. I I never feel like I can't it. even play mine because it doesn't. It just pales. Pales in comparison in to com- that. Now I'm thinking mine's actually like a great a song. song. <laughs> what was your song? My, well, my least favorite Christmas song. 
up until today <laughs> was Silva Bells, which I just loathe. Um, Let me wind that back. Silver Bells, Silver Bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling. I mean, yeah, ring-a-ling. We don't need to hear that. It's the. It was written by um, by uh, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans. It was originally performed by Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell in a motion picture called The Lemon Drop Kid. But mm. the, when they wrote it, the in, initial lyrics were tinkle, tinkle bells. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, this is, let me read this. Oh, Silver Bells started out as the questionable Tinkle Bells, said Ray Evans. We never thought that Tinkle had a double meaning until Jay went home and his first wife said, are you out of your mind? Do you know what the word Tinkle is? The word is slang for urination, it says. <laughs> yeah. They had to clarify. How the fuck do you not know what Tinkle means? <laughs> well, now they know. Jeez. But, but then I discovered um, SWV had did a version of it. They actually made this song bearable. I don't know how they did it, except that I know how they did it, and it's because they're SWV. Mm. And they can do whatever they want. Or they do whatever they, they want. They can turn any trash into gold. They can. Mm. Coco. All day. Coco. Hot she Coco. needs to release a solo Christmas album called Hot, Hot Coco. Coco. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, Coco for quest. song bearable um they bodied that song they bodied it they did they did that silver yes. bells they did <laughs> yeah i mean that's nowhere near as fucked up as <laughs> no, christmas you win. are you win wow i mean i was also gonna put this as like uh a shitty christmas song despite the fact that i love this song um but I have to play it because it's garbage. Um, but I love this song. Um, it's a mess. It's a hot ass mess. Hey. You know, Christmas was made for the children. H Town. H Town. <laughs> what? 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 Texas. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so Texas. It's so Texas. Hey. Birthday at Christmas, my baby gave to me a pair of Chloe shades and a diamond belly ring. On the seventh day of Christmas, my baby gave to me a nice back rub in it. Massage my feet. On the sixth day of Christmas, my baby gave to me a crop jacket with dirty denim jeans. On the fifth day of Christmas, my baby gave to me the one that he wrote for me. I love that song. It's an awful song, though, but it's a great record. You should get into Destiny's Child's <laughs> Christmas album. <laughs> There's a lot of real gems in there. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas songs. Oh, man. Oh, it's I could just go into such so an many all-encompassing... Uh, it's just very... It runs a very wide gamut. It really does. I feel like... I mean, it's such a, a strong like musical category and it just doesn't really I, I don't even really get how it turned into that because there's no other holiday that like outside mm-hmm. of maybe like may no not even that's a holiday it's more about a country but like there's no other holiday that kind of commands any sort of musical attention outside of maybe like uh monster mash and like thriller for halloween but like um <laughs> And those are just two songs. Those are just two songs. (laughs) And we've got like thousands to work with here. But yeah, Christmas music is a weird phenomenon that I think is like Christmas music nearly as big outside of the the U.S. as it is. No. Like, Mm -mm. I don't think so either. It just seems like a weird... Because Americans are obsessed with holidays, but like... And also because it's like... We're like the ultimate capitalist consumer culture. There's like so much money like pumped into Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, the fact that people are still going Black Friday shopping when it's 100% unnecessary. So unnecessary. We'll, we'll never see. Lining up for three mind. days. And, like, the cold, too. Like, yeah. below anything below 50 degrees that requires me being outside and I'm not getting paid. That's the dark side of Christmas. No, thank you. That is a hard, hard pass. I know that we have like a, a very strange fascination with this holiday uh, in general, which is largely due to this uh, the music I think that's attached to it. So, if somebody wants to make um, a another holiday pop and just start like writing some really banging songs, like and come through with the Hanukkah songs. Exactly, I do love Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song though. Mm. That was a classic. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but, that's um, the holiday, that's the holidays. Uh, episode uh, for you. Um, I'm sure there's like some really major ones that we left out. Oh, I know they did. So um, definitely reach out to us on Twitter and uh, all that jazz. Context at of sound at gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite Christmas songs are. Um, anything that we missed. I'd also love to hear any like, um, like random or like rare kind of renditions of any of the songs that we talked about like yeah it'd be cool if like if there's some sort of band or performer indie thing that like you know of that we are sleeping on for any of these because like i said i love christmas music um so let me know what you're into um uh you can reach us via email too at contextsfan.gmail.com um, subscribe, rate, subscribe, rate, tell your mama, tell your cousin, tell your papa, tell your buddies. Tell your cousins and, and your coworkers and friends and lovers, too. Yeah. Um, we'll be back at some sort of regular interval. I will not Don't say lie. a week uh, per week, but like we'll... At some point. We'll, we'll, you'll see us again soon. Um, I hope not sporadically. <laughs> <laughs> Have yourself 
I feel like I'm officially an adult. Yeah, you are now. Like, this is so grown and sexy, you know? It's very grown. Yeah. Like, I feel like you should be, like... In a wheelchair. No, like, you know, like, doing that thing where you're, like, tracing your hand on the top of a baby grand piano while you're singing the song, like, looking very despondently over that, like, a guy whose name is probably Cliff, who's playing the piano. Hey, Cliff, can you play this in, uh, in a G for That's me? basically what happened. <laughs> I know, except for Cliff's name was Tim, and that was just it. <laughs> I just imagine Cliff being, like, an old guy who doesn't say much at all. Yeah. You don't actually really probably know his last name. You don't know that he actually has a home, but, like, you just see him at the studio. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. To Cliff. To Cliff. We go. Aww. All right, y'all. Available now on iTunes. Ding. <laughs> and it's on Spotify and everything else. Plug your shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's on all the Christmas things. Christmas in Blue, you guys. Uh, check it out. It's great. I think it's fantastic. There's a new original song on there. Um, yeah. Um, get into it. Um, but yeah, we'll catch y'all next time. Happy holidays and all that jazz. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus. Bye. Bye. Mm. Yes. Christmas time is here. Calvin has a sheep.